Hey, good morning, church. Thank you so much for joining us for our first online experience. We know things have been a little bit hectic right now going on in the world, and while we're not able to meet physically, we're still having services online, and we hope that they can serve as an encouragement to you.
point of reference. You spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of life. And as you speak, a
For the next several weeks, we're going to be having church here. It's live.avjourney.com. Every Sunday, you can join us at 9 and 1030 with services that are specifically designed for you to have church at home. And during this time, we want to be intentional about serving our community. The first opportunity we have to do that is by collecting money to put together Easter egg baskets for the foster kids in the Antelope Valley. That's just one thing that we're doing. We have a lot more planned, and we're relying on your generosity to be able to do that. Here's a couple ways for you to be able to give. And if you've been impacted during this time, we're here for you. And please let us know how we can help. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us for a very special and unique experience as we go online today for our gathering. And today I want to just talk to the church family and what, what we're going to be doing is it's kind of like if I could be in your living room, which for most of you I am. So just kind of draw up close and as if we were just able to sit around the table today, I just, this is going to be just kind of a talk from my heart about all that's going on in our world because as we're all aware, over the past few weeks, the dam has broken on this coronavirus and the world has been flooded with frightening news. First, the federal government comes out with a declaration of a national emergency. Then the World Health Organization declares this a coronavirus official global pandemic. And now all the dominoes have started falling. So what we find concerts and schools and conferences and you know, just sporting events, churches all announcing that they will no longer be having on-site or on-location gatherings. Um, it's like everything is shutting down. And then of course, Thursday night, the governor announced that we were to 
stay at home and create this social distancing which would hopefully lower the curve of infection rate so everybody's supposed to stay in place for the time being except for you know the the few of those who are in uh, the special fields that would be needing to be out but friends this is an unprecedented experience in our lifetime we've never had a crisis like this of this magnitude and of course um, all the reports and all the things going online the news and the media has only fueled this fire so that as many of you have experienced probably you go to the stores and the shelves are empty you take a drive and there's some streets that just feel abandoned it just it's a very bizarre time um, it's a unique time and for a lot of people this is a very disturbing experience this is a very unsettling moment and that's why i wanted to talk to you today about what does the church do what is the response of the people of god in moments like this how are we called to be a light? And um, what are the things that we can do practically to really stand out as representatives of another kingdom, of another way of life? And so that's what we're going to be talking today. I just want to bring a message about the church at its best. And so what I'm noticing around here is that um, there are several different ways people are responding to this moment. There are Christians, of course, who... Um, who kind of are struggling a little bit with their faith. And, and I call these, these bunker believers. And, and so I find that they're Christ followers or people who are of faith, and yet they're running to the stores and gathering everything they possibly can. And they're just you know, bagging it up and taking it home. It's kind of this mindset of uh, taking care of me and mine. And I had a glimpse of that in, in my own heart just a couple weeks ago as I heard that we might be on lockdown or at least separated from everyone for a while. And so I went to the grocery store and at that time, people were rushing around, grabbing everything they could off the shelves. It was a very unique experience. And as I saw this, I couldn't help but feel at first, wait, I gotta get that first. I need to get that thing I need. And I really had to check my heart because immediately I recognized this is not who we are. This is not who I am. And it was one moment for me to look inside myself and say, well, who am I? What am I? Whose am I? In moments like these. There are then the fearful followers, those folks that it's like the little duck, you know, on top they're nice and calm, but underneath they're scrambling like crazy. And there's, there's all this emotion swirling within, within folks, even though they're trying to put on the best outside face. And I, I see a lot of folks just trying to put on something really strong, but in, there's a lot of turmoil going on inside. Then there's kind of the doom and gloom crowd where <clears throat> everything's the end of the world and it's judgment and wrath and all of this. And, and there's just so many of these types of things. Then another thing we're discovering right now is not only some of these strange reactions, but we're discovering what we fear most. These moments are the times where our hearts are kind of opened and we get to take a look inside at what are we really trusting in? What is it that we feel is our greatest hope? If all goes wrong, where do we turn? What do we really believe? We're going through, you know, these concerns like what if I run out of food? Um, what if I lose my job? Look at my retirement. Look at my, the stock market is just collapsing and all of this is taking place. So what does it look like to trust Jesus when all of this terrible stuff's going on? I mean, honestly, some, of peop some people I know are even like, well, what if I die? What if I get the virus? What if I'm one of those who is, is in poor health and, and this really, I mean, this could take my life. And the question then is the ultimate question. So what does this mean if, if I die? 
And, and the third thing we discover right now of people's response is that we discover the depth of our relationships. Am I alone in this? Who can I really count on? Who's there for me? And, and who do I look to when I just feel all of this turmoil and anxiety inside? This is a time, folks, when the church, the family of God, is intended to be the family. And so I want to talk a little bit today. I'm just speaking to you as a family. And, and speaking of family, I got a text just a little while ago from my niece, and she said, Uncle David, is this virus thing your fault? Because I know God has been teaching you how to rest, and your sickness really didn't teach you, so I feel like God might be saying, dang it, David Brian Elmore, now I have to close down the whole world so you'll learn how to sit down and do nothing. So folks, I'm sorry if this is my fault. But really, what do we do as the people of God? Where do we go? How do we respond? seeing all these responses. And I want to talk about what Jesus did and what Jesus' followers did in moments of extreme calamity and difficulty. So as your pastor, <clears throat> I understand, first of all, and let me just say, um, I get it. The anxieties, the fears, the tensions. I really do understand um, that there's a little bit of unsettledness in all of us. And I just remember words echoing from my pastor through some difficult times when I was a younger pastor. And he, he just said, David, this too shall pass. And I kind of want to just bring us around the scriptures today. And just as a family around a table, I, I just want to draw our attention to some of the things I think Jesus would have us to know and remember. And then the challenge of what it is that we, we should be about in moments like this. Because let's be honest, this moment is going to be one of the great moments for the church in our generation. I believe that, and someone described this, our moment right now as a combination of 9-11 and 2008 with regard to the way we feel on a national, global level. One day you have a world like this and the very next day it's in complete turmoil. <clears throat> so what do we do with the coronavirus? And, and, what, and I, I just think when we're older and when our grandkids come to us, they'll be asking the question like, grandpa, grandma, what did you do when the coronavirus hit? What happened? What, what was it like for you? And that makes me think, what, what, what will history say? What will history record about this moment? And what will specifically history and the, the record go down as what did Journey Church do? What did you do? What was your heart all about? What, what were you fastened to and what were you holding on to? So how we respond, how we step up, how we move forward, how we lean into this experience, it will tell everything to a watching world about what we truly believe and where our faith lies. So that's what I want to address today. And I want to encourage you with this message because it's a message of hope. And I believe the world needs a message of hope right now. They need to see that we, that we don't find ourselves in a moment of panic and crisis and it's all about us. We have an opportunity, probably one opportunity, to show a watching world what it looks like to have a foundation that doesn't get shaken when everything else shakes. And the whole world is kind of shaken right now. So I want us to move in close where we look at a Jesus who said, I'm going to love instead of fear. I'm going to look to a giving away of my life rather than a self-preservation of life. I read an account of the early church and how it dealt with a moment like this in the fourth century. And I read this from a historian and fourth century um, pastor leader in, outside of Rome in Caesarea. So famine and war had already come and devastated this area of the Roman Empire. 
the plague had hit, and that because of all the other circumstances, Rome was not ready. It was weakened, and it couldn't withstand this onslaught. This additional blow just crippled it. The populace began fleeing the cities. People were running for cover outside of the major cities. And because of all of this taking place, when everybody was running out, there was one group who was maintaining and moving in, the Christians. So the bishop and historian of the fourth century church there in Rome recorded this as he looks at the way the church responded. He said, all day long, some of them, the Christians, tended to the dying and to their burial, countless numbers with no one to care for them. Others gathered together from all parts of the city, a multitude of those withered from famine, and they distributed bread to all. Then he goes on to state that because of their compassion in the midst of the plague, the Christians' deeds were on everyone's lips, and they, the people of Rome, glorified the God of the Christians. And what a phrase, they glorified the God of the Christians. And this is a pagan culture. This is a non-converted, non-religious culture. And what they're doing is they're looking in at this church who is running in, who is leaning into this crisis moment. And they're saying, how, how can they do this? Let's, let's look closer. And they glorified the God of the Christians. And the thing is, I think right now it's really important that we keep an eye on this, that we don't do what we do for publicity. This isn't a PR stunt. This isn't a way that we just gather attention to ourselves. Folks, my heart is that after people see a moment like this and the way the church responds, that they would lean in and say, man, I want to know more about the God of the Christians. We want people to see what God is like. We want people to understand this is what Jesus is like. Like Pastor John Tyson said, he said, the church is at its best when it gives people a tangible encounter of what it feels like to be loved by Jesus. A tangible encounter of what it feels like to be loved by Jesus. I think that is exactly the marching orders of the church. Give people a feeling of what it would literally be like, a tangible experience of what Jesus' love would feel like. And, and this is one of those moments we get to do this. A few dec decades later, after Eusebius, there was another pagan emperor who came into power, Julian the, the Apostate. And he saw how the Christians were practicing this compassion and it had only grown since the famine and the terrible calamity. And, and it was catapulting the Christian movement from a little obscure faith gathering at, on the edge of society to something that was actually becoming a full-fledged movement that was impacting all of Rome. And he, being a pagan and wanting to promote his own religious system, he was trying to compete with this. And so he comes up with his own plan, but he's writing to one of his pagan priests about their response. And this is what Julian the Apostate said about the Christians. When it came about that the poor were neglected and overlooked by the pagan priests, then I think the, imp the impious Galileans, the Christians, observed this fact and devoted themselves to philanthropy. They supported not only their own poor, but ours as well. All men see that our people lack aid from us. In fact, Julian was so taken by this movement of compassion by the Christians that he commanded his own priests to begin practicing this sort of compassion. And their efforts failed because it was an external motivation. It wasn't motivated by a heart transformed by Jesus. But the Christian movement literally exploded, and within a few centuries, all of Rome was impacted by this group 
called the Christians, the way. Friends, this is going to be a time where we are the ones to bring the similar message to a world that's looking on. I, I realize that at this point, um, it's not as big a calamity as it has been in some other centuries. However, this is our moment, and the way we respond is absolutely paramount. When the people of God are willing to sacrifice generously, to give and to take care of practical needs, instead of running out when the crisis hits, we run in. That's when we are truly church at its best. So I just want to encourage you to prepare your heart for what God would do for through you and in you during this time. It's going to be a weird time, let's be honest. The isolation, the people not going to work. I mean, we have folks that are staying home with their kids. We have all kinds of things that are really changing. And so these can be really unsettling times, but I want to just encourage you with the words of Jesus himself. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus was preparing the disciples for his departure. He knew that in just a few days, he was going to be taken, beaten, crucified, and put in the grave. He knew that he was going to be leaving them in a moment of crisis. He knew that this time was going to feel to them like the worst possible calamity. They wouldn't understand. They wouldn't get their arms around it. They would probably be like, be like scared children. Jesus had been trying day after day, week after week, season after season to prepare them for this moment. And finally, he just comes out and explains that to them in John chapter 15 and 16 and just tells them directly, I'm going to die. Prepare yourselves pretty much. And so at the end of this, as they're finally coming to a conclusion, oh, wow, he's He's going, literally going to die. He's going to leave us. Jesus wants to comfort. He wants to tell them the season you're going into, it's going to be so uncertain. And it's going to, for a moment, feel like the end of the world. So he gives them this word. John 16, 33. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is making a really, really important point, and I just want to make sure that we get this so much. He's saying, I want you to have hope, but there's no hope just because the economy is going to come back. There's no hope just because this thing is going to be cured and they're going to turn this all around. There's not hope returning to the world simply because we have an answer from science or medicine or, or even from the government giving handouts or something. The verse that Jesus, that I'm reading, Jesus is saying, I want you to have peace, but the only way that peace is going to be anchored no matter what happens, no matter what comes next, no matter what your next financial you know, story looks like in the next six months, no matter what happens to you personally, physically, emotionally, relationally, no matter what comes your way, he said, I want you to have peace, but the only peace like this is in me. And he said, on earth, he goes, in this broken world, he's just straight up about it. You're going to have many trials and sorrows. Folks, I, I think you all have experienced that. I, some of you are experiencing it right now. But he goes on, take heart. I've overcome the world. I have gone ahead of you. I am going to face death. I'm going to take the, the, the keys of death, the sting of death, and I'm going to transform it. And I'm going to bring my people to myself. Now, now here it is, the disciples listening to this, and they're like, now we believe. And I just find it very interesting that it's, it's sometimes funny that we sometimes, we, we feel like we have to have the answers. We have to hear all the answers. We want God to explain it to us. And if he would just explain to us what we're going through, then we'll believe. But the disciples, they, they were all along struggling with all this. And finally, they're like, okay, we believe. And Jesus said, it's not about the belief. It's not even about the information. It's about your trust in me. So, folks, as we get prepared for 
the coming weeks, we're going to be going into a series where we're going to talk about the church at its best. We're going to pause our normal series, and we're just going to dive right into what it is we're going to be um, called upon to be and do in this season. So we're going to be doing that over the next few weeks as we do our services online. But let me just see, talk about some really practical things that we can do as a church body in relationship to this. First of all, from Jesus, I just want to tell you that one of the best things we can do, and this goes right back to our purpose and our vision, mission as a church, that we love God, love others, and serve the world. Jesus said that we are to love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. The way we answer that, first of all, is to be a non-anxious presence in the midst of all the chaos. This is a time when, when Christians don't need to be running around, the sky is falling, and getting on the blogs, and posting all their fears, and gathering all their resources. And This is a moment where we are the non-anxious presence because our anchor and our, our stability is not based on what's happening outside of us, but what has happened and is happening inside of us. I love the way, the way Jesus prepared them. John chapter 15, just prior to this little story, Jesus had told them, listen, for you to weather what's coming, for you to be deeply anchored in the season ahead, you need to abide in me. Like, like the vine and the branch, you need to just be anchored in me and just be constantly, moment by moment, aware of my presence, my abiding love for you. So this is a moment, and this is the only way you get a non-anxious presence in a time of calamity, is you have to have something inside of you that drives you. And this is the moment, folks, where you need to be taking your next step to go deeper with Jesus. You need to take your fears, your anxieties, your concerns. You need to take the, the greatest things that are concerning you, the confidence that, that you're seeking right now. Take it to Jesus through a deep, abiding, moment-by-moment -moment connection, through, through prayer and just pouring out your heart, through getting in Scripture, spending time in worship, connecting with other believers online or whatever, you're going to get that strength and that stability. You're going to be the non-anxious presence. The other thing, we need to be the church. So the first one is the way we need to go deeper. So that's where we love God. We're just going to get in and just going to go deep and really solidify our connection with God and get the strength and peace he offers day by day, moment by moment. But then as a community, we are going to be the church. And when he says love others, this is time to do the one another's of scripture. This is the time to love one another. This is the time to care for one another, encourage one another, pray for another, bear with one another. These are the moments we do the one another's of scripture. And this is the reason why, for, for us as a church, this is why you lean into your groups, into your friendship circles, into that, that op opportunity that may present itself by a neighbor that's not even a part of the church. And particularly this, we are going to take these experiences and we're going to encourage and support and love and come around each other in these times. And I'm just telling you, and the final one is to be prepared to share. Be prepared to share. To serve the world. That's our third Part of our, our mission is to serve the world. And I want you to be prepared because Scripture says in 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Folks, this is a time not to come off as haughty or know-it-all or somebody who's just kind of, you know, kind of driving in with all the answers. But this is a time for gentleness and respect as we, as we prepare to give people the hope that we have. Why are you so calm in this craziness? Well, that's when we have our chance to share. Be a voice of hope. Remind people that, that this too shall pass, but in the meantime, God is up to something in the midst of it. His redemptive story is unfolding before us, and they're invited to be a part through Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross. We can have relationship with the Creator. We can anchor ourselves beyond this pr present moment. Let me just give you some practical ways that we as a church want to love. With schools out and kids are at home and parents are kind of getting maybe a little crazy with all that, I just want to encourage you, 
that you look into the family members of those around you, maybe the neighbors in your, in your neighborhood, maybe the people that you know are home alone and kind of closed in. Maybe there's people who are in isolation. <clears throat> maybe they're lonely and discouraged. Maybe it's some people in the high-risk categories that, that can't get out and get groceries or can't get their prescriptions filled. Or There's ways that I'm saying the church, this is when we step in. This is when we run to the fray. When everybody's running out, the church runs to the fray. This is where we call, where we contact. This is where we pray. This is where people who are, who, are, who are good neighbors actually lean in and say, how can I serve you? What can I do? Bringing food to the people who may not have groceries. Um, giving a little help to somebody who's maybe a little short because of their paycheck being cut. With work slowing down and so many of the financial situation being in turmoil and up in, you know, there's some heavy consequences for some family members. Be tuned in to what's going on to the people you know and the people around you. <clears throat> I love Acts 2.42. This again, as my wrap-up, is where the church shined and the church was at its best. It says that during that time, after Jesus was crucified and went away, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, coming together, like, together constantly, breaking bread and to prayer. Everybody was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. Catch this. This is where we can shine. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Not suggesting you give everything away, but, but listen to this. They sold property and possessions to give it to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. Together they had glad and sincere hearts. They were praising God, enjoying the favor of the people, and God added to their number daily. Folks, again, this is an opportunity where you tune in, you listen. You, give, you just give your heart to God and just pray, God, give me an insight to the way in which I can be the difference maker. I can be the, I can be the voice of hope. Let me be aware of the people around me that may need just an extra encouragement. But maybe I can pick up the grocery bill for somebody. Maybe I can, with other friends, chip in on somebody in, in our little resource circle that needs um, maybe some financial support right now. This is when the church is the church. And folks, on a practical level, as a church, we're going to be communicating with you for the next several weeks all through our social media. Watch for updates. Get on our newsletter. Get on avjourney.com website. Sign up for our newsletter because we're going to be telling you of ways in which you can help others in need. We're going to try and put needs out there and pair them together with resources. And as a church family, we are going to do our best to represent Jesus well. Folks, I love you and I'm praying for you. And I sense that this time in the church is going to be one of those telling times where we get to step forward and shine like nobody's business. We're going to make, we're going to make a difference in our community. We're going to make a difference in our world. This is our moment. And I just pray that you would step up and join me as we seek God to, uh, to really be the church at its best. I want to just have you join me in prayer as we close. Father, we just thank you for the time we spent today and just in, in, in anticipation of what's coming we can't possibly know. The world is crazy right now. But you knew it ahead of time. And, and even in the season of first century, you prepared your disciples for the craziness they would face by telling, you, telling them to prepare by drawing into you that the peace they would find would be in you. And my prayer today is that everybody who's watching, that they would sense that you are still the God of peace and that we can find that by just leaning in to Jesus, by, by reaching in and receiving all that life that you have offered us. By that moment by moment, vine and branches kind of a relationship the abiding that we have with you lord would just be just be so powerful it would just resound with peace with a sense of hope and that joy that comes in spite of circumstances
I pray for everybody who's going through personal crisis right now. Lord, for the ones who have financial need, that they would step out and, and do the dis- discomforting thing, that uncomfortable thing of maybe letting the church or others know that there's, there's a shortage and that give us a chance to serve them. Lord, that for those who are in physical need, those who are sick already, God, just pray your healing touch upon those who are watching today and just are feeling under the weather or who may have had some symptoms and those who may have even come down under this full virus that you would bring healing and let the power of God just just be present for them. And God, for this moment, that, that all of us would just learn to lean in and just draw close and draw strength from you as we seek to know and follow you in these very uncertain times. Let us be the church at its best. We trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, I can't wait to connect with you again in person, but in the meantime, again, watch our social media, be, be connecting online. We're gonna provide some formats for that, so be aware and, and stay connected that way. And until then, my prayers and my heart are with you. We'll see you next time. There's a grace and a heart is Another way when the walls are closed When I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning, I know I will never be alone. There's another reason why standing next to me was another window holding back the sea. Should I ever need remind of how I've been set free? Is a cross that bears the birth, and another died for me. There is another in the fire. All my dead left for dead beneath the walls I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore Should I fall in the space between What remains of me and this breaking name Either way I will bow to the things of this world Cause I know And I know I will
There is no other name but the name that is Jesus. He who was and still is and will be through it all. Come what may, space between all the things unseen and this reckoning. No, I will never be alone. Fail me now. You won't 